Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 288 and brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50. Uh, we are back for another week of Boston Bruins Hockey Talk. The offseason is still going on, but um, every other show it seems I listen to just don't have enough to talk about. But we do our due diligence and, and dig a little bit for a lot of topics uh, during the offseason and the regular season to keep you entertained every week. And uh, obviously, we want to say thank you for everybody who has been uh, sharing and downloading and 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 listening, obviously, to the to this uh, the offseason Bruins talk, because uh, our numbers are really, really good. And we really appreciate that. So I want to welcome in my friend Dom Tiano. Dom, how's it going? And how was your uh, week off? I'm uh, doing good. It was an uh, exciting week. Tired. Just walked in the door from vacation just to be here on time. Um, broke some speed records, and luckily uh, there is no helicopters up above uh, creating speed traps. So here I am. <laughs> and, and and if we see a SWAT team suddenly come in and take them away, please don't be don't be afraid. He's got connections that'll get him right out of there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and down below, as always, uh, Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what's up, my friend? Not too much, man. Uh, excited to talk some hockey with you boys, as always. Dom, welcome back. Good to see you. Glad you didn't uh, crash texting and driving almost the entire way home. Oh, well, I'm okay because I can set the cruise control and it's got all the lane assists and uh, uh, it'll slow down when it sets, senses traffic in front of you or uh, 
or come to a stop if it has to. So yeah, I can take my eyes off the road for a minute or two here and there. Take it off to crack a beer, keep on driving. <laughs> yeah, that too. We don't condone that, but it is funny. <laughs> um, before we get started, I do want to say that the off season is a great opportunity for new folks to start a, a Boston Bruins related podcast, whether an individual or, or with your family or with a bunch of friends or join our team as a content writer. If you want to get involved, this is a great time to do it, folks, because this is the downtime for our BNG uh, business. And, um, and it's a good time for us to get together and, and, and learn about what's going on and, uh, and, and how to write and, and so on. So we're, we're always looking to grow our, our small sports media company. And if you want to get involved, please contact me at Black and Gold Productions, LLC at gmail.com. All right. Um, let's get started with uh, this uh, list of agenda items that we have. We have about 13 things we're going to talk about. So let's rock and roll. Uh, let's talk about the update on Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. They, they're both UFAs con, uh, right now. And how do we feel after another week passes? I don't know that there's been any real update other than Don Sweeney continues to uh, have discussions. But I've been out of the loop for a lot of the last week. So <clears throat> if you guys have new information to share i'll be hearing it for the first time but there's maneuvering that uh, sweeney and company have to do to get to get uh, a bergeron uh Krejci, and even a pavel zaka uh contract signed so you know it's it's a waiting game there's there's a lot of teams in the same situation around the nhl and uh you know we may have to wait for other shoes to drop before this drops. Moving, moving money right now in this offseason seems to be, I'm not going to say extremely tough, but in the Boston Bruins realm of things, I think it's a little bit tougher. Uh, you have contracts like Nick Foligno. It's just something that they'd like to move out, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that um, unless they attach something to that contract, of course. Um, there might be a taker for a guy like Mike Riley, but do you really want to trade that guy right now when you're not going to have Grizzly to start the season and McAvoy will be out a little bit longer than that, maybe up to two months of the season. So that's a tough one too. You can look at a player like Craig Smith. Um, there's players that can be moved, but you've got to be able to bring players up from within that you believe can make up for what a player like Craig Smith wouldn't be giving you on your third line. Um, so Sweeney's in a tough situation here he'll get it done both Bergeron and Krejci in my opinion are both going to be signed here um and, and Zaka um the news seems like they are moving and trending in the right direction there so I'm not worried at all I'm sitting back I'm enjoying my summer I definitely think that you Bruins fans should do the same because in at the end of the day what is done will be done and there's nothing that we can do about it really so well, to touch on something that you that you mentioned, Kevin, is is internally, and, and do we have something internally to say that the three point something million that uh, Craig Smith makes right now, if that is moved out of the organization, can we get somebody to fill that role uh, who is a little more uh, point productive, and um, and it can play that same type of style? I, I I don't believe there is, but there is another way of thinking about that if you move that out and you bring somebody in a, uh, internally and give them a chance what you're doing is you're also giving a younger player 
a roster spot that's not going to be over a million dollars either. So, you, you know, you're bringing in a person, but you're also saving some cap space to address other needs elsewhere, particularly the Bergeron and the Krejci um, signing. So I'm not freaking out either. But there was a lot of people, uh, a lot of Bruins fans out there that seem like they've been refreshing every minute since July 13th to get these deals done and seem to think that there's some kind of, you know, timeline that they have to be done before they get before they sign somewhere else. I don't believe that's absolutely true or not. But what I find most frustrating about this whole, the narrative between Krejci and Bergeron is, is like today, for instance, you know, the asshats out there that the Boston Bruins put out an official tweet saying happy birthday to Patrice Bergeron. And the comments are, who cares? Just sign the contract. That's something I get very frustrating in. When you're trying to honor a man's day and and you have to bring something like that, the negativity and so on to it. So um, that's basically the, the only thing that I addressed on Twitter uh, earlier this week was there's no need to freaking freak out. Just relax. Things will fall into place, you know. Here's the yeah. way I deal with that, Mark. When the Bruins put out a tweet like that or, you know, anybody in the media puts a tweet out like that, I never look at the replies. Yeah, I know. Because I I don't have time to waste in my day to read what somebody is replying to. I won't even retweet it because I, there's no sense in re, retweeting what the Boston Bruins tweet. They've got 1.5 million followers. Do you think any of my 5,000 followers don't follow the Boston Bruins Twitter yeah. account? Right. So, like... They, they, I just avoid reading comments. And then and the, the only time I see them was when, when you two take screenshots of it and send it to me because I just avoid bullshit like that. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would suggest that you guys do the same thing because it just ruins your day. That's why I'm in such a good mood is because I don't read the crap like that. But to go back to your original question. Some of us uh, are suckers for uh, punishment, though, Dom. Well, I mean, if, if you want to get ahead in this, you have to ignore what, what people are saying. Yeah, facts. You know, you, you, can't, you can't base something you write or something you podcast about on, on the reaction of a minority of fans. The, yeah. the ones that are doom and gloom all the time, because you're, you're just going to get more gray hair than me. I, so, but... To answer your question, and I think you guys will be in agreement with me, is if Bergeron and, and Krejci are both back, that means Pavel Zak is going on the left wing. Now, he can play center, but he's a better left winger. We all know that. Uh, so he may be an option down the middle should uh, one of Krejci or Bergeron not return. <coughs> that means... If, if you're moving Smith, as as Kevin suggests, you've got two options on the right wing there. Uh, Oscar Steen, who I think deserves a chance, or Charlie Coyle, which means you're putting Jack Stadnika into the middle. Uh, I, I don't think they should. I think the, the trial of putting... Stadnika on right wing has to end. You have to put him in the middle. Yeah. Get to put the natural center back in there to to try to like, you know, get 
secure a spot up the middle where sooner or later we're going to be losing some of these players, whether regardless of Krejci and Bergeron come back sooner, sooner or later, these guys are going to retire. And, and I'm not saying that this Boston Bruins team needs to rebuild right now, like do a full rebuild, but they do have to rebuild up the middle. Like they, they have been strong up the middle for, for several seasons, regardless of, um, of where they went in the playoffs and success therein. But I, I think that uh, having a player like Sidney around, we'll talk about it later is, is going to be important. Dom, I think you're onto something there with a line of Pavel Zaka, Studnika, and Coyle. I think that could possibly be something good, but you said there was two options. I want to throw a third one at you that I think is very viable at this point, and I think that's Mark McLaughlin going on the wing there. I think he's ready. I think he's NHL ready. I like his game, and I'm a fan of putting him in the lineup. Okay, but I I, I agree to a point, Kevin, but the Bruins, if – Bergeron and Krejci return is three, six, nine, 12, 13 forwards under one-way contracts, NHL contracts. That's not counting A.J. Greer and Chris Wagner, mm-hmm. who will likely be waived and down to Providence. So you don't have a spot for Stadnika, and you're risking putting him on waivers? No, I'm not. I'm to also put, having Stunnik in the lineup. To put McLaughlin at the NHL, it's the same situation we saw with Stadnika last year. We're in a cap world. Uh, McLaughlin is waiver exempt. He's going to be starting in Providence. I will bet everything I own on that happening because it's. I, a bet, I bet too. It's a numbers game. He he will yep. not start the NHL. Start the season in the NHL. I, I guarantee you're right as well, but if it was up to me and I was the GM, head coach, whatever you want to call it, I would have Steen, Studnika, and McLaughlin to start all in my bottom six this season, and I'd be moving out money in that bottom six to make that happen. But as we discussed, it's easier said than done. Oh, of course. It's easier said than done. The, but the, difference, the difference is we can sit here and talk about it, but an NHL GM has to actually go out and do it. Absolutely. But that's Facts. what I'd be trying to do at least. Yeah. Because I think those kids are all ready. I mean, we could even make a make you know an argument yeah. for Beecher too. He looks like he could step in and sure, do something on a fourth line role. I mean, if you want to make some money, you know, move some money out. I mean, I understand it's not that easy, but if you want to try and move money out and start infusing young talent, these four kids, in my opinion, are ready to to do that for you. And I, I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see them continue to put it off. But until, until all these players are still here on your NHL roster and under contract, like the um, – um, I cannot remember his name. I want to call him Marcus. Nick Felino and, yep. and other players like that. No sick. Yeah, no sick. You're basically stuck with those kids that you're talking about either going down to Providence or staying out of the lineup to avoid that waiver process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll definitely talk about that later on. Yep. Uh, it should be interesting no matter what Don Sweeney does this, this offseason. Can go over 10% over the cap. But to be cap compliant, you have to be uh, ready to go by the season start. So, uh, and should... no, no GM wants to use that ten percent overage mark because once you do, you're hamstrung. Every yeah. every other GM knows they've got you by the proverbial balls because you're in a tough spot. 
Yeah, because and, now you're forced to lose somebody. Yeah, really, really forced. Right. And, and Don Sweeney is in a really good situation where he doesn't have to worry about Bergeron and Krejci walking away to another team. He doesn't have to worry about that because they've already stated, well, maybe Krejci going back overseas, but not in the NHL. He doesn't have to worry about that, and that gives him the time to be able to make these trades, to make everything cap compliant so he's not bent over a barrel and up against the you know the cap and all that. There's a bug flying around my damn face, a little tiny bug. Eat it. Eat it. I haven't seen you eat anything yet today. Oh, <laughs> it just keeps getting right in my face. If, if I swear to God, folks, if anything, we bring the hockey talk, but we also bring a little bit of comedy. <laughs> A little bit. It. I'm not laughing a little. I am laughing, but I'm annoyed. So, <laughs> bug's gonna go away. All right, let's move on to the next topic. And and um, after the Bruins officially named Jim Montgomery as team's head coach, uh, nearly two weeks ago, the Boston organization announces the hiring of John Gruden, who was recently with the New York Islanders for the last four seasons, and previously spent some time in the Ontario Hockey League with the Flint Firebirds and Hamilton Bulldogs. And, uh, and Gruden was also a former coach in the United States Development Program. I, I think this is a fantastic hire. Um, Gruden was a former Bruin, drafted here in the uh, organization, didn't play many NHL games, primarily spent uh, his career in the, uh, in the um, American Hockey League. Um, but I think it's a good hire, and, and it was one that Jim Montgomery really pushed for. Um, I want to go to Dom first because, Dom, you've been uh, around the Ontario Hockey League for many years and have a vast uh, uh, range of knowledge. Uh, what were your thoughts when uh, when you heard this hiring? And then talk about what you know about him from his coaching past. Uh, I love the hiring. He is the epitome of a player's coach. Players go to war for him. Uh, they battle for him. Um and they will do what they'll, they will go through walls for this guy. Just to give you an example of how much players love him. Uh, he was the head coach in Flint with the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. And uh, the owner's son used to play on the team. Uh, I'm sure some people out there will probably know who I'm talking about. I, I just don't want to use names. So No, absolutely. Um uh, the owner's son used to play on the team, and and the owner basically told Gruden uh, to play his son more. And Gruden would would he just wasn't a very good hockey player. Uh, and the only reason he was on the team is because his dad owned the team. So eventually he got fired, and every single player uh, walked up to the owner's office with their jerseys and dropped them on the floor and walked out. And guess who led the line? His son. The, owner, the owner's son. Yep. And said, we're not playing until you bring him back. And they brought him back. You know, he's a masterful coach. He coached the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs to uh, a championship his second year there. He's just been a winner everywhere, everywhere he's been. Uh, he did wonders with the Islanders' uh, defense. For a couple of years, we all know two years ago what what that Islanders defense was like against the Bruins. If you didn't, if you don't watch a lot of the Islanders, you probably saw it then. So I love the hiring. This guy will be an NHL head coach at some point. Excellent. What are your thoughts, Kev? 
Yeah, I mean, Dom hit all the points there. There's really nothing for me to add other than just I'm very happy with it as well. I mean, like he talked about, I mean, he, he led the Bulldogs to a 43-18-7 and record, uh, you know, becoming champions of the OHL that season. That's uh, pretty good stuff in the OHL. And for four seasons, he was with the Islanders. And when Dean was uh, fired – we were asking ourselves, how are they going to replace, you know, that because he was, the, he was basically the one who was working on the defensive side of things. And I think they couldn't have brought in anyone better. So um, I'm really happy to see what him and Montgomery and the rest of the staff can do with this team and changing the mold and seeing where they go from here. Yeah, absolutely. The, the message I'm getting from Montgomery and now Gruden uh, hearing from Dom and his experience in the Ontario hockey league is he is a player's coach. And I think that, that is a big address that this team needs this offseason um, to get the, get back in the locker room, get back to uh, camaraderie and and just be a family again without the interruptions of of a stale message, uh, per se. And I'm not saying that Bruce Cassidy was a terrible coach and so on, but these coaches do not last long in this league. It's a very recyclable league and so on. And I just think that. Some of these players just needed a little bit more. And I think by the addition of John Gruden to the to the bench, you're adding that much more communication that some of these players might need. And I'm and I I hate the narrative that the Bruins are being babied and so on. They get rid of somebody because they don't like to be told what to do. But this happens in the NHL frequently. So it's not just a, a Boston Bruins thing. Yeah, somebody uh, you know, I had this conversation with somebody today, Mark. You're Right on, you hit the nail right on the head. Everybody's all about well, Cassidy's always calling out his players and blah 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 blah. So, I brought up a tweet from a couple of years ago about Jim Montgomery calling out uh Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan publicly. I said, This is your players' coach that you're talking about. Every coach does this, and I told him, I said, You find me. A coach who has never called out a player publicly, and I will cancel all my social media accounts. <laughs> and look, you're still here. <laughs> look, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's just all good, uh, and, and hopefully that these two um, bench—well, uh, not the bench bosses, but the uh, the new coach and the assistant coach—they um, get with the team over the off season and, and before training camp and during training camp, and just really. Get everybody to buy in because there's going to be a lot of players on this Boston Bruins team that are not going to start the season, particularly Charlie McAvoy and so on, which John Gruden does have uh, familiarity with uh, with uh, McAvoy and Grizzlick and so on with the National Development Program. So um, you I know, bet he's already talked to them, Mark. I bet yeah. he's already made the call and talked to them. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and just to just to you know buy in, give 150 percent to start the year, and then when these players come back. We can, you know, that we can get back into the season and so on. It's not going to be easy, and I'm not saying they're going to win all the games. There's going to be trials and tribulations, no matter what. But uh, hearing hearing the plan from from the head coach to your assistant coach and so on, and just buying in early is going to be is going to be good for uh, the success for the upcoming year when people are really just down, saying that we'll be out of the playoffs by December. And but I don't think that's the right way to look at it. I think that. December is a perfect time to start ramping up for a postseason uh, once you get everybody to, uh, back on the um, in the band. So, 
Uh, it should be interesting what happens. I'm excited for it. I'm not a downer. I'm ready. I'm ready for for uh, regular season hockey. But um, moving on to the next topic, forward Pavel Zaka files for arbitration, and per Boston Herald, Bruins beat writer Steve Conroy, his agent Darren Ferris said in a text that there's a lot going on, but Zaka's Bruins contract should be finalized in what Ferris said, short order, air quotes. Uh, does that spark speculation of a trade soon to free up cap space? Zaka's arbitration hearing is set for August 11th. Dom, why don't you go first, bud? Hey, I don't think this sets up anything for a trade because they, they have the cap space to, uh, to get Zaka signed now. And then um, after that, pretty much everybody's locked up. I think we know that Anton Bleed is not coming back. They get Zaka locked up, and then they start to manipulate the cap and how contracts are structured for <laughs> Patrice Bergeron and or David Krejci. Uh, uh, be- the beginning of it, you absolutely nailed it. You took it ver- uh, verbatim out of my mouth how I would have said it with the fact that they already have the cap space to sign Zaka. I don't think Zaka's contract is going to be crazy. I could see it maybe being like 3.25 or, you know, 3.5 at the most, 3.5 at the most. I don't think it gets anywhere near that four mil mark. Um, So they'll be able to fit that comfortably. And like Dom said from there, move on with, you know, trying to get the UFAs done. Um, You know, I wonder if, part of the holdup on the on a lot of these trades that we're seeing that could be happening not only with the Bruins but around the league is the fact that guys like not uh Nazim Kadri have not signed yet um John Klingberg you know guys like this that should you know entice a lot of uh clubs who may want their services you know to be waiting on something like that so um you know then a guy like Mike Riley might look more um you know, appealing to a GM or a Craig Smith or, you know, something of that like. Uh, definitely not a Felino, but I'll still hope for it. Um, not because I don't like Felino, as we all know on this podcast, but it's just that 3.8 could be really used right now. And, yeah, um, yeah so it's just um, – I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for Zaka to get signed, and I'm excited to see what he can do in a Boston Bruins uniform because there's already people crapping on him, calling him a bust because of, you know, A, B, C, and D. And it's, it's annoying. It really is just it, give the player a chance in a new system and, you know, with a new team put into a position to succeed, give him a damn chance before you start crying bust and this and that. Yeah. One thing I do want to address too, for the listeners, and some of them have asked me questions that listen to this podcast and has said, you know, why did he file for arbitration? Is he trying to stick it to the team? One thing you guys got to understand is, like, um, pay attention to websites like Cap Friendly and Puckpedia because his last three-year deal, we're talking about Zaka here, his last three-year deal, when it expired, his RFA status and arbitration carried along with it. So it's not something that he's just going, oh, I hate the Bruins, I'm sticking it to you. It's not like that. And this is not anything to do with Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney, if, if they wanted this type of player, they will make they will go over these types of speed bumps in contract negotiations and arbitration to get something going. Uh this is just nothing that just automatically appears and it's and they're pointing fingers at at, at the player and management. So this is all part of the process. Arbitration is a process, exactly. Arbitration eliminates the the 
opportunity of an offer sheet. So it, it's something that the player and the team utilizes. It's just which one files. So th this isn't about money. Um, that's not why they, why they're filing for arbitration. This is about protecting the player's rights. One thing I do want to say that Kevin mentioned about Felino is I don't think the contract is as unmovable as uh, it appears to be because you take a team that needs to hit the floor. Felino's already been paid $1 million of his salary because of a signing bonus. Okay, so um, you're getting a $3.8 million cap hit for $2.8 million. That's attractive to some teams. Right. And if Bruins need to, to lower the cost of moving that contract, <coughs> excuse me, they could retain a million dollars. It comes off the book at the end of the year anyway. So basically they'd be trading a $2.8 million contract for $1.8 million in actual, in actual cash. So it's not an immovable deal is just finding the deal yeah. right and there's only a year left on it too so that helps right. yeah. yeah finding a suitor is is the most challenging <laughs> pie believe it or not but before um, we move on i wanted to i just want to tell a quick funny story from over from the past week about this whole zaka thing the the amount of fan theories that i see out there about why zaka you know, went into arbitration, this and that, why the Bruins even traded for him. It's comical, but this is the best one. This is the best one. Someone tried telling me that they traded for him so Holla could be a cap dump and they're going to take it to arbitration and go through arbitration and then they're going to use the walkaway clause in arbitration and let Zaka walk. All of the cap dump for Holla. And I, I was like, what are you serious? What are you, what are you talking about? They could have literally, if it was just dumping the cap for Hollow, they could have got a pick for him. Oh no, no, no. You can't get a pick for Hollow. You'd have to attach other assets to get rid of that contract. I was like, what, what, what are you here's, talking about? Here's the funniest thing about that is the walkaway rights in arbitration is a $4.5 million settlement. So unless Zaka got $4.5 million, the Bruins cannot walk away. So that makes it even more asinine. It yeah. was the most ridiculous thing. It was the most ridiculous conversation I've ever had. I was just <laughs> like, I hope you read this and just realize how stupid it is. Like, I really hope you do because it's really bad. This is the worst take I've ever seen. It's really bad. <laughs> they, they, they died on the hill, though. Completely died on it. So good for you, but Jesus. <laughs> Talk about something else, please. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Boston sports and music memorabilia. Let's hear from uh, Bruce Sullivan, and he's got some fantastic stuff this week. Uh, Cam Neely signing. I think um, um, Jerry Chivas is coming up. Don Ori is coming up. So if you want to get some authentic signed and, um, and really good quality jerseys uh, from former and current Boston Bruins players, listen to Bruce. Uh, write down his contact information and and get in touch with them and and spice up their fan cave because like I always say every week it looks like it I'm watching in everybody's windows and your fan cave needs more black and gold so let's hear from Bruce and we'll be right back. <laughs>
Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with your black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. On July 20th, we will be hosting Bruins legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Cam Neely. Pre-order a JSA authenticated 8x10 for just $55. A puck for $59, mini helmet for $109, or a jersey starting at just $139. We have breaking news. On August 1st, we will be hosting a private signing with two-time Stanley Cup champ and Bruins legendary defenseman Don Ari. We are accepting send-ins, $20 for pucks and flats, $25 for sticks and jerseys. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And um, like I said, he's got amazing stuff that you really should buy whether it be a birthday present or or get ready for Christmas because some of these jerseys from like a Jerry Chivas jersey or a, or a Derek Sanderson jersey is like $75 hand signed and fully authenticated it's really good prices and uh it won't it won't break your bank when you're trying to uh spice up that fan cave so give Bruce a, a, a holler and uh and check it out because he's got some fantastic stuff. And also follow the uh, Facebook page and, and share and like some of his stuff because you can win some free hand-signed stuff just for doing it. All right. Um, speaking of cap space, it seems to be the whole topic of, or the narrative of this uh, pod- particular podcast this week. Um, when a lot of Bruins fans, especially this week, um, I threw it out there on, uh, on where we should shed salary. And... A lot of people really gravitate to the goaltending of this Boston Bruins team and say that they should do whatever it takes to get Allmark to waive his no trade and move his $5 million cap it. And I kind of push back on that a little bit. I am a goalie guy. Um, I always favor the goalies. But this really isn't that bad of a deal. Even when it started, when Don Sweeney made the, uh, the signing over a year ago, um, but you have two goaltenders, in my opinion, who have been, I don't have facts right now, but are in the top 10 tandems of the NHL. And I really don't want to see that be uh, broken up moving forward. But also, I don't know how anybody could be unhappy with two goalies on this team in this really good tandem making under $6 million a year. It, I mean, you could look around the league and, and you could see goalies making five and five. That's $10 million. That's a significant amount of cap. But I don't get how uh, fans always gravitate to the goaltenders when they need to shed cap. I, I think goaltending is not the problem. I think everything forward, you should you should address your cap needs by getting rid of a defenseman or some forwards. But that's just my opinion. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? And and let me know about the goaltending thing too. Would you risk breaking up this tandem just to free up some space? Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm expected to say here. You have a one A and a one B goalie earning five million nine hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars against the cap. I mean, you could beat Florida 
and be paying $10,925,000 in Bobrovsky and, and Knight. Give me the Bruins tandem over those two anytime at, you know, almost half the cap hit. I like, I really don't know what people expect me to say. Those that want, uh, want all work moved. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. And, and Kevin, you've, you've been also involved in this conversation as well. What yeah. are your thoughts? So I wore my Almach shirt today. <laughs> just for this because the narrative is sickening it's it makes zero sense as you two are alluding to and saying there it's it's so stupid like i i'm like dom don't know what to say because i've already got it all out on twitter i've argued myself into a freaking coffin at this point (laughs) but if i can just say one thing here a lot of people, uh, one thing in particular from, I think it was the other day, uh, yesterday, uh, someone said, you know, why have $5 million in caps sitting on your bench in the playoffs when you could be using that to get players to help you get you to the playoffs, whatever this and that. And my rebuttal to that is the starter going in to the playoffs was Linus Ulmark. The reason why Linus Ulmark was pulled after the two games in Carolina was not because Linus Ulmark was a bad goaltender. It was to spark the team in front of them because Ulmark did not play bad. Nope. Those two games in Carolina was not on Ulmark. He played, he played good hockey. He let up four goals in both of those games, is what it is, uh, respectively. In both games in Carolina that Swayman played, he let up four goals, and one of them was a game seven situation where he let up three. So not too far off. We have no idea. I can't say this for sure, but I also can't say that it wouldn't happen if Linus Omar continued going into game three. I can't sit here and say that he wouldn't have won all three of those games in Boston. Yeah. I can't say he couldn't have. He very well could have. He's a very good goaltender. Him and very Jeremy Swayman were neck and neck a lot of the season when it came down to things. Uh, Jeremy Swayman definitely has a uh, larger ceiling than a guy like Allmark, but he's not there yet. And you have this guy right now to help usher him in to that next level. So why wouldn't you want to keep that? I mean, his his contract was was structured perfectly for this. He has the full no-movement no clause for this upcoming season. So regardless if you want him gone or not, talking about it is literally a waste of your damn breath because he's not going anywhere. Yep, Second of all, when it moves into the following year, he has a 15-team uh, – uh, sorry, a 16-team no-trade list and then a 15-team no-trade list. That's when the contract is more movable because there's plenty of um, GMs and teams – in the NHL who are looking for quality goaltending, you can move that contract. You can move a guy like Linus Allmark, who's a quality goaltender, if Jeremy Swayman is ready. So I'm not crapping on the idea of trading Allmark, just not right now. Exactly. And, and Mark, not to be overlooked in the goaltending situation, the Bruins <laughs> – did walk away from Troy Grosnick as the number three and brought in Keith Kincaid. And uh, that to me was a great move in the event something were to happen to Allmark and or, and or Swayman because 
really they have no other capable NHL goaltender ready to step in. So uh, we we got to give Sweeney some credit for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know Troy Grosick was asking for a three-year uh, extension, and that's just something the Boston Bruins weren't willing to do, even at a two-way. Uh, contract they couldn't yeah. go that they couldn't commit to that I mean they have to save cap space and even though he wasn't going to be you know uh, in at the NHL level some of that money was still capable if I'm not mistaken right Dom if he played in the NHL yes yeah but I I don't see uh, a lot of teams I mean uh, particularly the Boston Bruins locking up a goaltender a veteran one that's uh, well in his 30s longer than a year these days I mean and 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 kudos on getting Keith Kincaid uh, I, I cover the Providence Bruins pretty thoroughly and and, and go down there to, uh, as a media member. And every time and, and these these two teams, the Hartford Wolfpack and the Providence Bruins, they they play like 12 games a season. And yeah. when Keith Kincaid was playing for Hartford, he was outstanding. He I mean, he really put that team on his shoulders and and really battled to get a win and and uh, and play Providence real tough. So uh, two Atlantic Atlantic division rivals. Uh, in the American Hockey League, but um, yeah, I think this is a, a good signing, and and it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll talk about goaltending later on, but uh, it, it should be interesting on how he's going to take the reins um, as as that veteran leader. And and I always think that that's that's needed in the American Hockey League um, locker room. Uh, just to quickly touch on the Grosnick, um, not wanting to sign him to a three year deal. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but. From my point of view and kind of looking at the situation, I'm thinking they don't want to commit to a guy like that for three years and possibly keep one of the goaltenders in the system from being able to move up into that Providence role. Yeah. Um, you know, you got have guys like Svedback and Boosie and, um, you know, players like that. And, you know, you added Reed Dick, you know, maybe one of these players makes a big step, but you can't bring them up and put them in there because you have Grosnick, uh, you know, locked up for three years and, that could be a part of the situation. I'm not sure, but it's just a guess there. Yeah, I'll touch on that later on when we talk about another goaltender. Um, moving on to the next topic, the Bruins agreed to a two-year contract extension with forward Jack Seneca. The deal is worth $762,000 per season at the NHL level. Uh, the first the first year is a two-way deal, while the final is strictly a one-way. Um, Dom, I'm going to bring this one to you because uh, this is very interesting on we've had private conversations about this and um and you brought up a very interesting detail on why this deal was done with a two-way the first year and it's and it kind of works better with the salary cap this off season but this type of deal was not done and a one-way was given to a player like oscar steen can you explain anything to that um my friend I, I think it's because the opportunity in Boston uh, isn't going to be there for them unless the, the Bruins find a way to move out some bodies. So they had to structure the deal in such a way that it will turn other teams off uh, putting a claim in on waivers, i.e. the second year at a one-way. The first year at a two-way is rather expensive for for an AHL player at $200,000. So that's going to shy some other teams away. Plus, he's guaranteed $300,000. So uh, doing some rough math in my head, that's about $4,000 a day. So 
Jack would have to spend 28 days on the NHL roster to make up that extra $100,000. So uh, by guaranteeing him that, it makes other teams shy away from putting in a waiver claim <clears throat> should they be in a position to have to put him on waivers. Um, that said, uh, Jay Leach is up in Seattle, who uh, was Jack's head coach in Providence for two years. Three years? Two years. Two years, yeah. Two years. <clears throat> Who knows him very well. Would uh, Seattle put in a claim? We've seen with Carson Kuhlman they would. We've seen them with signing uh, uh, Cameron Hughes as an unrestricted free agent. Another player that played under Leach that they would. Uh, so I'd be leery about Seattle. On the other hand, if a team claims them, he has to stay in the NHL the full season. So I, I would think that the intelligence uh, over in um, Seattle, just by Jay Leach, yeah. I mean, if he's ever available, there's going to be teams that take him away and try and would probably give him a better opportunity elsewhere. But it's probably going to be a team that's that's really not, you know, um, competitive. I want to say like teams. Teams in the bottom echelon of the team, uh, the league, like um, Seattle, I mean, um, Arizona, they might yeah. like they, they might take him right on and put him right into the NHL lineup. And there you go. But with the Boston Bruins, there's there's bottlenecking issues going on and so on, because we're always spending up to the cap. It's that in roster spots. I yeah. mean, they have to you're only allowed 23 players, so they have to clear some spots. Kevin, you got anything else you want to say on the uh, Sitnika signing? No, I think, um, you know, like uh, Dom's going to know more about that stuff than either of us. So I don't really have anything to say on that front of it. But, um, you know, if you know, I agree with Dom, I don't know if there's going to be a spot for him this year. Um, there'll have to be some movement there. But, you know, I, I've been out on this kid being a viable top six option for – a little bit now and i just hope that he can at least get himself into that bottom six and be a contributing factor because boston really does need some, some young kids to be able to step in and be trusted and play important roles because you see a teams like tampa you know they're able to keep rolling on with a heavy top six because they keep getting these young guys out of the draft that are able to develop and come into their bottom six and be um you know very good players for them at a cheap, cheap cost. Yeah. I, I, I just want to add this. Jack Stadnika at every level of hockey has proven he can play the game, except the NHL level. Okay. Yep. He deserved to be on the roster last season after training camp. Bruce Cassidy even said so. Right. He deserved a spot on the roster based on his training camp. There were no spots for him. He was the one guy that didn't have to clear waivers to go down. Now, call it an entitlement issue with Jack or whatever it may be. But when you know that you're going to be the first player to come up and fill up for injury and know that as soon as that player is healthy, you're going back to Providence, what sort of motivation do you have? 
that that's an issue Jack has to fix up here in his own mind. Nobody can fix it for him. Jim Montgomery isn't going to be able to motivate him. John Gruden isn't going to be able to motivate him. Chris Kelly is not going to be able to motivate him. It's it, it, it's up here. And whether that's an entitlement issue or not, I don't know. Uh, but once that's clear and out of the system and Jack can play hockey without thinking, oh, uh, when's Bergeron going to be back? Because I'm going to be back in Providence anyway. Um, yeah. Once that's out of the system, then we can see if the game translates to the NHL level. And once that happens, he's going to garner more trust and more ice time from his from the coaching staff sure at the NHL will. level. And and I think that the way this contract is structured, Dom, is is more better for him next season to secure a roster spot be in that one way it's not that they're forcing him to be in the in that roster spot for the one way but departures are going to happen this year we're not going to have the felinos we're not going to have this person or that person he can seamlessly fight through that bottleneck that has uh hindered him in the past and seamlessly find himself right on a spot in comfort and get that trust from uh from the coaching staff in my opinion Honestly, I want to see him make it so difficult for the Boston Bruins this year that they that he forces their hands and they have to do something this year. You know, I'm I'm tired of having these debates with with people about uh, you know why isn't he on the roster? Because most people don't want to talk about the business side of the game, and there is a business side to to what has happened with Jack so far through his career. It's as simple as that. But people don't want to discuss that. They'd rather just say, oh, he's not an NHL hockey player, or Bruce Cassidy ruined him, or uh, he's just not smart enough, or he can't skate. I mean, I've heard it all. Right, right. We, I think we all have, actually. Yeah, but it comes down to business. And, and that's what the NHL is, first and foremost, a business. I, I like the way you explained everything, Dom, because, I mean, it, it gives more clarity into why when he's been playing in NHL re regular season games, I haven't really seen it translate much. And your understanding of how it's mental makes a lot of sense because he has the skill set. He has the IQ. He has that stuff. He's a good hockey player. And knowing that the player is going to get sent down and he has really nothing to really work for, knowing he's going back to Providence, that does make a lot of sense to me, and that does sure. explain and a lot. So, I've I've known the kid since he was 15 years old, and I don't want to say it's, it's an entitlement feeling or it's part of his makeup, um, but I've seen glimpses of this in the past, if I can put it that way. So it, it's something... He has to get over. And, you know, if he's going to make it, he's going to have to get over that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Maybe maybe not being waiver eligible, uh, being waiver eligible now, maybe that's going to be the time because the Boston Bruins, it kind of almost does force their hand if he's playing at an NHL quality level of play. So we'll see. And, and he'll certainly get his opportunity to challenge for a spot at, at training camp this year. I expect him to have a big camp and and a solid off season of workouts and so on to prepare himself for that. 
uh, as he's done for every every season, regardless of what level he's at. So, um, well, and, what about the weight, though, boys? What about the weight? How much is he putting on? Taking bets. Mick Collagio brought up a good point too. With the amount of weight he gained going into last year's camp, um, he made a good point this morning by saying players that add that much bulk and weight usually take a year before they begin to adjust to it. To, uh, to adjust to it. But to go back to what Mark said about competition, <clears throat> let me give you an example. Um, Thomas knows, knows it. Okay. If, if Jack Stanika out battles him, uh, during training camp and deserves a spot at the NHL level, they can bury no and save 1.025 million towards the cap. So no cap hit is 750,000 bucks. So, uh, really, they'd be left with a cap hit of seven hundred twenty-five thousand bucks by burying wow. music. Okay, Stednika's cap hit is seven hundred sixty-two thousand five hundred. So, really, by burying Nosik and playing Stednika, is costing them forty thousand dollars towards the cap. <laughs> Jesus, that's a significant. Um, you you don't think the Bruins have thought about this? Oh yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. When they have to massage the cap, they're always thinking yeah. of the, uh, those multiple avenues. Yep. So, you know, it's like I know the ordinary fan doesn't look at it that way, but believe you me, the Boston Bruins are looking at it that way. They've got every possible scenario covered. And then you don't need to trade a guy like Nosek because if something happens right. with Jack Stanika, you got Thomas Nosek to step right in. Great right. depth. Yeah, you always have a backup plan and so on. Sweenius. Sweenius. And don't forget Evan Gold. We always pump Evan's tires around here because that guy's one of the league's best in uh, in the in the whole salary cap and, and how to massage a, a lineup that has a, a mandated cap. So, um, yeah. Goldness. <laughs> Goldness. Sweenius. I, I, should run, I should run some some teams NHL salary cap for them. I agree. <laughs> Probably would be by now if you didn't turn down so many opportunities, Doc. Oh well, that's life. Oh, well, well, yeah, that is. Instead, uh, you're here with us, goons. <laughs> before uh, we, <laughs> before we move on to uh, the mid-show uh, sponsor from uh, in here from Bet Online, I do want to touch on just one quick thing. Um, there was a big trade, obviously, uh, before the big trade that sent Matthew Kachuk from the Calgary Flames to the Florida Panthers. And I know I'm going to get hammered for this, but did the Boston Bruins have any chance of getting the St. Louis, Missouri native? Some fans or experts, air quotes, out there believe the deal could have been. But, of course, trader Don Sweeney was too chicken shit to make a deal with Brad Shiver Living. Let me, let me just – I want to start this off by saying that it's been interesting to see all the thoughts and theories of everybody's uh, trade scenarios – but when you add up to eight players in a trade, it's not very enticing for another team. Yes, you're going to get a ton of assets, but can you actually fit any of them under your salary cap currently? I don't think so. It's going to be very hard to do. And when you're an organization that's trying to replenish your prospect pool, 
giving up multiple first round picks is not a very good idea. Although it's been fun, I'm happy it's over. But I really want to ask you guys, with all these trade scenarios that you might have seen, I know, Dom, you've been away and probably didn't want to see them, but <laughs> is there a possibility that that could have happened? No. Te- uh, technically, oh boy. technically, it was possible if you add David Pasternak to that. But do we want to do that? No. So, no, it's not going to It was never going to happen. Well, basically, when you looked at all of these trade scenarios, and 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 like I said, I kudos to the people that put all these ideas together, but it was basically just getting rid of the players that you don't want to see on this team anymore. The past yeah, acts, yeah. the McAvoys, and everything were not involved. So any any trade significance was just like you're 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 giving a team trash basically. And I'm not saying NHL players are trash, but you just you're basically giving them their bottom. What you want to give away. Yeah, and what and, and and keep everything that you think that you can rebuild on. I I just don't I don't think that it was any uh, a realistic I uh, opportunity for this team to to get a player like that. And, and here's the best part: what do those geniuses think is going to happen when you have to sign both David Pasternak and Matthew Tuchuk to long term heavy cap hits? Yeah, and did you see <laughs> did you see his salary structure? Yeah, Jesus. That was crazy. I was like blown away by that alone. Never mind the deal that sent him to Florida. I looked at his salary structure and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Can we just quickly talk about like how, honestly, in my opinion, how bad Florida's offseason's been? It does not look good on paper when you lay it out. It does not look good. They've lost a lot and they've gained to Chuck. And while, and while, Tuchuk is a fantastic player. You've lost Huberdeau. You've lost Sherratt. That's fine. Screw Sherratt. Um, they lost Wegar. I mean, that's a viable top four defenseman for them. I mean, yeah. I, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, everyone's getting better. I don't – I can't – I don't know if I can say that about Florida. I think they got worse. I yeah. really do. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Florida is – trying to copy the Tampa Bay model. And Not that's very what we're good. About. Um, I don't know. I, I think when you're talking about giving that kind of money to a Huberto or giving it to a Kachuk for that amount of time, I think they did well giving it to, what, a 24-year-old uh, Kachuk as opposed to a 30-year-old Huberto. Sure, because they got Barkov. Yeah, and also there's rumors going around that Huberto was not very happy about this whole deal. No, because he was expecting a call about a contract offer. Yeah. And rumors are that Calgary's already getting calls about Huberto. Yeah. Not so shocking. We, not shocking at all because he's one of the oh – th- That guy's going to be always up there with the Selkie voting and so on. He's a really good two, uh, two-way forward. Here comes more Bruins fans, um, you know, trash for your gold um, trade, requ- uh, you know, proposals for Huberdo now. So thank you for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be listening to that for a while now. Absolutely. <laughs> but speaking of fun, speaking of fun, there's no more fun that you need in your life than to go to betonline.ag and place a wager with them. They do fantastic stuff over there, and they're worldwide. They have you can wager on sports all over the place. 
And, and if I'm not mistaken, you can even place a wager on the upcoming World Juniors that I hear could happen or couldn't happen. Who knows? But uh, if you want to place a wager, check it out. Uh, listen to me babble about the fantastic people over at betonline.ag, and we'll be back after this mid-show break. Our partners at betonline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments, including next year's NBA and NHL futures, PGA Tour Golf, Major League Baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline.ag is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and so much more. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first cash deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. What's up, Bruins fans? We are back talking Boston Bruins hockey this offseason, and we just heard from the amazing show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Please use that code CLNS50 because it really does us a great deal of service and pays the bills on our sports media company. We are back. We are having a good old time. <laughs> Boy, you guys, <laughs> you guys should have seen. You guys should have seen. Dom wore a dress. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That was too funny. And just remember who does have the editing rights here and who actually uh, can can share that picture, by the way, Go ahead. Mr. Kevin. Go right ahead. That's um, hilarious stuff. Well, Mr. My, our boy Dom requested that we screenshot that, and I, I, I will pass that forward to him. <laughs> but but anyway, we are back, and uh, we're talking bees. Um uh, Kevin, you wanted to jump right in here and add a, a bit of a topic, so uh, the floor is yours, sir. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch upon a little bit of the fact that a lot of Bruins fans out there believe that the Bruins will not make the playoffs because of the fact that they have two key injuries, well, technically three key injuries, but the third one in Grizzly not being for as long as the other two. Being out to start the season in teams like um, – the Senators and teams like, um, you know, Detroit getting better. I just want to say, while these teams did get better, they are still not better than the Boston Bruins, and I don't see either of those teams being a playoff team this year. I think they made great steps forward in becoming a possible playoff team in the near future, but I don't think it's this season still to, to date. I don't think the Senators have the defensive depth needed. I don't, I don't like their defense. Um, and the Red Wings, I don't think they did enough to really push themselves to be a playoff team this season. But that both teams do have the depth to, um, uh, you know, get better year by year. But I don't think that it's good. like like you said. I don't think it's going to be such an impact uh, this year. They're just they're they're building towards something special. Like Steve Eisenman in Detroit, I think that his 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 prospect pool is going to be so good that it could possibly rival some of the old Detroit Red Wing teams that 
that um, won so many times or were in the playoffs for 25 straight years. I think that that's the potential. That organization has the potential to to get back to uh, what they were before, um, you know, obviously orchestrated by Eisenman and, and his uh, GM wisdom. Ottawa, on the other hand, has done some really intriguing things with their with their depth. They've sucked so bad that they've they have they have prospect um, equity. You know, they have a lot of good pieces that they could put in at any time, and they they were really a surprise for me this this uh, the draft and the off season by getting Drew and so on. So um, it's just good to see two um, franchises like that. Uh, be where they are right now. now. Now let's see what they do moving forward. I think Ottawa has really improved. Uh, I And I think that the way they finished last season, uh, they were pretty good going down the stretch. So they certainly won't challenge for a top three in the division. And uh, I don't think at this point Boston will either. But Boston's not finished maneuvering, so it's hard to say. I think what you really have to look at is the the metro and the wild card spots and who are you competing with there. Uh, New Jersey hasn't done enough. Philadelphia hasn't done enough. Uh, I mean, go down the list. Washington, it's hard to say what's going on with, with Backstrom there. Uh, it could really hurt them. So um, I don't know. I, I think we're looking at a wild card spot for Boston. And I, th- I think surprisingly, Ottawa can challenge for one. Um, Detroit, look, Steve Eisenman <laughs> does things his own way. To me, he's the best GM in the NHL right now. And, and he will continue to do his things, his way. Uh, I look at what they drafted Mo Sider and, and the backlash that, that the Red Wings were getting uh, for picking him where they did, and look at him now. Um, Steve Eisenman doesn't care what anybody outside the organization thinks. He has a plan. He knows what he, he expects that plan to come to fruition. And this year isn't it for him, and he knows that. He will continue to go at his pace and do things his way to build sustainable, long-time competitor. And that's, that's his goal. He's not about winning now or making the playoffs now. Does this mean that Ben Sherratt is now going to be a viable top four option? Because yikes be. on that deal. I hate that deal. Well, I hope he, I, I hope for, for his sake, I hope he knows something we don't, and he's going to put him in a situation that's perfect for him where he earns that money because he's just not been a four-point whatever million-dollar player. Yeah, I, I think – Look, even when you're building the way Eisenman builds, you still have to have NHL players. And Ben Schrapp may not be a superstar in this league, but he's an NHL player. And you still have to meet certain situations in order to reach the cap floor. And and Eisenman thought that was the best place to spend his money. I mean, could have spent it on Mike Riley, uh, right? Uh, as an example, but I will never question any move Steve Eisenman makes. I just will. That's not. why I pose that. Yeah, yeah. that's why I so, pose the question that way. Um, you know, I, I think he has a plan and I think he knows what he's doing. If, there, if there's any 
GM in the NHL, I will not question. It's Steve Eisman. Yeah. Well, at least he didn't do the Gabranson deal. At least he didn't do that one. No. So. Like, there's another one. <laughs> All right. Let's reel it into some uh, some more Boston Bruins hockey talk as we uh, come to – we're in the uh, second half of this program. Um, there was a busy week last week with with a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the Boston Bruins extend Jack Ashan to a one-year, two-way contract worth 750000 at the NHL level. Uh, this, I, in my opinion, I think this was a good deal just to have that uh, break glass in case of emergency type of player, especially with uh, what's going to happen uh, with uh, McAvoy, Riley, and so on on the back end. Um, and and not only that, uh, I like the idea of him sticking around in Providence as well, if if needed to be in Providence for the either the full season or some of the season. Uh, Jack's been uh, a real good soldier, and I think that his his talent, his talent alone, um, is good. To, is good for this organization. So many people have the NHL blinders on and don't understand why he was resigned. But um, minor pro sustainability is also important in every organization. So I think this is a good deal. It's it's not crazy, and uh, I'm looking forward to him uh, being in Providence and and being one of the uh, veteran parts of the of, of Ryan Mugenel, uh back end that is, in my opinion, uh, took a big step up this year. I think that lineup is going to look really good. And I know I said that last year, but uh, injuries played a, a heavy toll, especially on the defense uh, towards the end of the season, and which was one of the reasons why it was a one-and-done playoff round. So um, let's go to Dom first. Uh, uh, thoughts on the Jack O'Shawn, uh one-year extension? I think he's starting the season in the NHL. With the injuries to McAvoy and Grizzlick, uh, Hampus Lundholm is your power play quarterback on unit number one. Okay? Yep. Who do you have after that? Mike Riley? We know that Jack Ashad can quarterback a power play. So he may even get top PP unit time in Boston and let Lindholm uh, handle the heavy minutes elsewhere. Um, but I think until Matty Grizzly comes back, Jack Ashawn starts the season in the NHL. Interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of that. Um, I think if, if we do end up seeing Mike Riley get traded as uh cap moving out to make these deals work, that to me shows that they have full confidence in Jack Ashawn and Jakob Zaboral to pick up the slack until McAvoy and Grizzly return. Um, and I, I'm with Dom. I think that I think that Ashan has earned a shot. I do, but I can also see him being in the AHL to start, like Mark was saying. It all depends on Zaboral in his health. Yeah, if they're no, gonna no. run they'll start with seven NHL defensemen on the roster. True. So okay, got, yeah. You got Lindholm, you got Grizzlick, you got Riley, you got Forber. Sorry, you don't have Grizzlick. So Lindholm, right. Riley. Forbert, Zaboro, Clifton, Carlo, Ashan. Unless Wisman or Connor Carrick uh, show more in training camp to get that spot, and they, they might get a, a better chance because they're natural right side defensemen, uh, where they only have two in, in Carlo and Clifton at the NHL level. Uh, Zaboro can move over. We know that. You know, but they're they're not going into the season 
with six health healthy defensemen. No way. Well, John Speedy yeah. does not operate like that. Carrick was the, the guy for me that I was thinking that would maybe start as that seventh defenseman in Boston. He has NHL time. Like you said, he's got the right shot. I, that made sense to me, but Jack Sean also can make sense to me too. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I mean, I think it does give a little bit more comfortability um, knowing that Zaboral, as long as he can stay healthy, can give you really quality NHL minutes. And yep. then, John has already played in the NHL and also showed us that he can give you some quality minutes too. Uh, he's he may be small, but he is a damn pit bull. He will really work hard in both ends of the ice, and I would like to see him get a shot because I think all three of us are in agreement that we would love to see these young kids really get some identity, and this is the best time to do it with three of your heavy well i'm gonna say two of your heavy hitters and one of your good uh support players being yep. out to start the season moving on to the next one and this is this is only a quick one bruins extend forward matt philippe to a one-year two-way contract worth seven hundred eighty-seven thousand at the nhl level uh i like i like this move um because it, it, i know this is going to keep uh matt in in providence um not not the overall playmaker or goal scorer that we saw at Northeastern in the NCAA, but his game is something of value at the American <laughs> Hockey League level with uh, his size and, and his grittiness. Uh, I like the way that he can stick up for a player uh, if, if uh, liberties were taking on, but he can also uh, grind it out in those really tough areas of the ice. So uh, keeping a player like that around is not such a bad idea when you might want to address uh, your bottom six, particularly your fourth line at the NHL level, if if he really impresses. But more or less, this is just a um, a deal to keep a player like him around for one more year because the uh, the AHL level at, in Providence needs uh, all the support they can get. And like I said, it's going to be a team that is going to be exciting to watch, in my opinion, this year. I I think they've really improved the Providence team. Here's here's my confusion. If I can use that word, they have three, six, nine, 10, 11, 11 players in Providence under NHL contract. At AJ Greer and Chris Wagner, you're up to 13 forwards. That's four, just forwards. And then you have a one, two, three, four, five more under HL contract. So you're up to 18. Okay, if you look at the defense, the same thing, two, four, six, seven under NHL contract and five more under AHL contract. Uh, I'm just at a loss of what they're doing with all these players. For me, it's like, where are you going to put all these guys in the future in the NHL? But I don't see, I don't particularly see a player like Matt Philippe making the NHL roster anytime soon. I think that if he, if his NHL, time could come with another organization just because the way that this ro- the NHL roster is structured for the Boston Bruins right now I just don't see the future fit for him you understand right. what I'm saying right. yeah but you've got to give these guys you have under NHL uh contract the prime playing time in Providence uh otherwise how are you going to see what you have in them yeah right? exactly you you can't scratch um I don't know pick a player uh, in Providence under an NHL contract to play Justin Brazil 
who's yeah. under a, an HL contract yep. and likely will never get an NHL contract. So uh, that's my thinking is what are you doing with, with all these guys? Same with you know, signing Francois uh, Brassard, uh, who played Canadian uh, junior hockey, went the Canadian college school right way and then ended up in the ECHL. Okay. So, You've got Keith Kincaid, who's your starter in Providence. Uh, Kyle Kaiser and Brandon Boosie will challenge for the backup. And the other one's going to get the prime start in Maine, but has to get the prime, the premium starts in Maine. So why bring Broussard in? That was interesting. We, I, I, do, I did bring um, uh, that to the agenda, and I want to discuss that a little later. Um, but any, any other thoughts, uh, Kevin, on Philippe at all? I got nothing, Mark. All right, my friend. Go back to eating whatever that pastry is that you got in your face. No, no wonder the dress didn't fit. He's always eating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> Tom asked me to put on a dress, so I put on a dress. <laughs> and screenshot will be available later. Is <laughs> what it is. All right. Um, also involved in the uh, in the signings last week, and we, like I said, it's been a really busy week. Even even though it's the off season for this National Hockey League Boston Bruins team, um, one of my favorite uh, news uh, bits was the Boston Bruins sign uh, prospect and current current Sarnia Sting defenseman Ryan Mast with three year entry level contract. If he makes it to the NHL within those three years, he'll earn eight hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Really solid signing um, for him. Right out of his second development camp, bam, the Boston Bruins lock him in for a three-year entry-level deal. Um, uh, Ryan will return to the Sarnia Sting to man the blue line there next season and then uh, seamlessly uh, fit his way into pro hockey afterwards uh, as he approaches his 20-year um, uh, playing year. Uh, sorry for the fumble there. But, uh, Dom, you've spent a lot of time covering this gentleman and, and close to Sarnia, and I'm sure you've been there to see him live. What does this mean for the Boston Bruins organization and also a player like Ryan Mast, who, in my opinion, the last two seasons has really stuck to Adam McQuaid and acted like a sponge at the last two development camps? Well, first of all, I want to say to anybody who flipped out about why sign him now, no big deal. It's actually advantageous to sign him now because the contract does slide. That means it does not count. Okay. The, the actual rule with signing Canadian junior players is, or any player for that matter, is if you sign as an 18 or 19 year old, your contract can slide for two years as long as you do not play uh, 10 NHL games. In other words, the contract is, doesn't count. If you look at Jack Stadnika's contract, he had two years of slide. Jack Stadnika didn't sign his currently expired entry-level contract three years ago. He signed it five years ago. And that's you, you gain control of the player for two extra years. Um, we, we saw the same with Erhol Vakanainen when he signed his deal. It slid for two years. The Bruins had control, <coughs> excuse me, as an ELC player for five years. Um, 
and I fully expect that once Brett Harrison is done with uh, the Team Canada uh, summer development camp for the World Juniors, that he'll put pen to paper on his entry-level contract, which will mean the same thing. So let's wipe away any fears. This is actually a good thing, signing him now as opposed to waiting. <coughs> Secondly, I love the signing. Uh, I maintained on this podcast many a times over the last year and in other places that that uh, I love his game. I love the way he plays. Um, I love his leadership. Uh, I just don't know how his offense will translate. Uh, by all accounts, and Mark, you were there. <coughs> Excuse me. He had a very good development camp. I know Jamie Langenbrunner was very impressed. To me, this coming season in Sarnia in the OHL will be huge, huge for him and to see how his development comes along. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of what I saw on the ice uh, at development camp this week. Uh, all week, he was very engaged into the individual skills that they put out there, um, small ice tournaments, uh, uh, small ice um, um, scrimmages, I mean, and obviously the 200-foot uh, scrimmage that they had on Friday. But more or less, it was just the character I got from the guy and, and how him and Adam McQuay were just inseparable. And I know Adam was there for other players as well. But more or less, it was just, you know, they were just feeding off of each other. After yeah. a certain after a certain drill, uh, Ryan would go over and, and say something. Or after a certain drill, um, um, uh, McQuaid would come over and, 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 you know, lend some leadership and some knowledge and so on. But it was really good to see. And I think that that's going to be imperative to Ryan's future. And a lot of defensemen of, um, of Ryan's size, uh, I think that the Boston Bruins have really started to uh, look at that and say that that is something that we need to address more often. I'm not saying a player like Jack Ashan is a bad idea, but moving forward to get defensemen that are above six feet, it might be the way to go in this NHL and, and do it internally. If you can't trade for it, like the Tampa Bay lightning have in the past when they needed that extra grit to like get them through the playoffs and, and make it hard to play against. I think, having a player like this signed Ryan Mass has signed his three year entry level contract. I think that's a motivating factor for him to go back to um, Sarnia and play just that much better. Cause now you're under, you're under the, the, uh, the property of the bees organization, even though that you were drafted and so on, but now you have that feeling that you're going to be there sooner or later, whether it be a year or two or three down the road. I also want to say this, if I can, before, uh, Kevin gives his thoughts. Um, I posted a video on Twitter sometime during this past season uh, with Ryan Mass doing an interview and saying how he watches a lot of Brandon Carlo and he tries to model his game uh, after Brandon Carlo. And um, the negativity is that, well, if he's anything like Carlo, you know, he's going to be soft and, and blah, 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 blah. Well, um, Ryan Mast, I can assure you, is not like that. 
Uh, he's not afraid to use his size. He's not afraid to use his body. And there are players that actually fear him. I posted a video about how there was a skirmish at the end of the game between Sarnia and I believe it was Windsor, but don't quote me on that, where everybody was gathering around. And Mast was the one who put himself between his teammates and the Windsor team, directed his team to leave the ice, which they did, and he stood there uh, in front of the whole Windsor team and allowed his teammates to get off the ice to make sure nothing happened. Just much like Zidane Chara used to do when he stepped into, into a fracas and everybody would just, the, the seas would part. Now, of course, this is the junior level, uh, right? And doing it against junior players is a different thing. Um, but that, that's the type of attitude that he has. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add. I think you guys touched upon everything perfectly. All I can say is that, for me, I am excited about it. I think this adds a need to the team um, at some point in the future. And I'm not going to say he's a gem in a draft, but I think he's going to turn out to prove that he should have been picked a lot sooner than he was picked. And um, I'm very happy to get that quality of player uh, signed to an ELC and get everything started with him. Yep, it all starts here from him, and you know, building building up your prospect pool in the back end uh, is never a bad idea. And having members like him, it's just a work in progress. It's a it's a gamble, um, but I think that he's a type of player that's going to work hard, uh, regardless of what level he's at, and uh, to succeed. And and ultimately, the goal is to be an NHL player uh, one of these days. And and if he makes it, he makes it. And it's just. It's on how these younger players all take it in. And if they act like a sponge and do what they have to do, uh, whether the on-ice training, off-ice uh, eating habits and so on, and how to be the ultimate pro, it's just going to come down to if who wants it the most. And and if you're there, you're there. And, and congratulations on getting it. But it's still a challenge, no matter how you think of it, when you're a young player trying to crack the 1% in the world that make the NHL. All right. Um Moving on to my final topic, before we get into some uh, listener suggestions for topics, we have three of those, by the way. I reached out and, and got some really uh, – uh, actually, four, sorry. Um, but the Providence Bruins signed veteran netminder Francois Broussard to a one-year AHL contract. Uh, this move seemingly sets up competition between Kyle Kaiser and Brandon Boosie to split time uh, in the Providence crease uh, with the recently signed free agent – Kincaid, a goaltender, might join Brassard in the East Coast Hockey League Maine Mariners next season. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely penciling in Brassard to be uh, with Maine and uh, make a return to the Maine organization because he was there previously and uh, before the affiliation became official with the Boston Bruins. Um, but now it's going to be Kincaid, I, I think, is going to have that that spot because uh, he, he's on that two-way deal. Um, but it's going to be up to Brandon Boosie and Kyle Kaiser to, uh, to, to get that, not backup role, but that 1B role, in my opinion. Um, and I do not think, and I know a lot of people have suggested to me that they should run a three-goaltender system. I don't think that's very a good idea, uh, particularly when – your games in the minor pros are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
and then you have basically a whole week of practice. I honestly don't think that that's enough playing time, especially uh, for a player like Kincaid who needs to be playing all the time, a, a player like Kaiser who needs to be playing uh, more frequently, and also Boosie who plays uh, needs to be playing more frequently. And and to touch on Boosie, uh, I really think that he really stood out well, in my opinion, as the goalie guru on the show. Uh, I think he's his development camp was outstanding. He's a, such a big kid, covers a lot of the net, not deep in the crease. Reminds me of that Henrik Lundqvist kind of positioning. Um, and his, he's very athletic. I mean, the guy throws his body around and makes saves that, um, it, even thinking about it, I pulled a hamstring. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a, um, a brassage probably going to the, East, uh, the ECHL. And um, it'll be a fight for that one B spot. Kevin, do you want to take this first while I write some numbers down for Mark? I mean, there really isn't much for me to take. I, I To me, I don't really understand it like that, you know, like Mark does, you know, with that signing. Um, but when it, I, I do agree with you when it comes to the three goaltending tandem there. It doesn't make sense. I mean, this is an area where players are supposed to be developing. It's supposed to be getting that playing time to see what you have. And to have one just completely sitting there for long periods of time, or maybe two if they're switching off doing that, it's it, it doesn't seem like a viable option to me. So um, it, it seems like there's a lot of goaltending depth in the um, – organization at this point and someone's going to be the odd man out and it's um it's puzzling to me on why something like that would be going down well hit me the the (laughs) nhl is already using a three goaltender system unfortunately you're only allowed to carry two at the nhl level last year 103 goalies made nhl starts that's an average of three per team. Wow. Okay. One hundred three goaltenders, and I think by as I mentioned earlier, by walking away from Grosnick and signing Kincaid, Kincaid becomes their number three goaltender. That's the thinking behind it. It has nothing to do with uh, Providence or anything like that. Yeah, he'll be in Providence to to keep in game shape and be game ready. But if something happens in Boston, he's the number three. It's not going to be Kyle Kaiser or it's not going to be Brandon Boosie. Just will not be. <clears throat> Marty Duran. It's funny because I love listening to Marty and people don't like him. And I don't know if it's because of his French accent or whatever, but he's a big fan of if, if you have a number one goaltender who place start 60 games at the NHL level and the backup only gets 20, 21, 22 games. The number one goes down with an injury, whether it's short-term or long-term. He would rather have the AHL goaltender um, who's the number one in the AHL starting at the NHL level as opposed to the backup. Because it's the HL goaltender who has played more games, is more game ready, has seen more action than the backup at the NHL. So it's a, it's an interesting, <coughs> excuse me, thought process by Marty there. But it makes sense when you think about it. Boston doesn't have that problem because they basically split time between Swayman, 
and Allmark, or before that, Rask and Halak. <coughs> so, um, yeah, the three goalie system is there. It's just not the, th the three goalie system that fans think, but it is there in the NHL. Right. I don't know who deserves the backup role in Providence. Mark, you can speak more to that than I can between Kaiser and Boosie. I would hope it goes to Kaiser. I think he's the older of the two. So they need to see what they have in Kaiser. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I, I like Kyle and everything. And he's an athletic goaltender. He's good. He positioned himself very well. But I just think that the teams in Providence, and I'm not saying they were bad and so on, but I just don't think that they were supportive enough with uh, it, it, due to injuries and so on. I don't think the goaltending was was bad. Even at the NHL level last season, I don't think the goaltending was bad last season with Grosnick and, and Kaiser. I just think that the guy, uh, the 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 lineup out front of them was not always there, whether it be injuries or down games and so on. So uh, when you look at Kyle's numbers, everybody jumps out and says, oh, he's not good. But you really have to see – these games on AHL TV to really figure out and get that character and, 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 and get away from the stat watchers all the time, which, which really bothered me. Um, but I, I do agree. I think because Kaiser's got tenure and so on, he should get that opportunity, but it, that's what uh, Providence training camps are all going to be about. Once NHL Bruins training camp happens, everything goes downhill. Now it's Providence Bruins training camp, and then they'll move down to the main Mariners training camp. They're going to challenge for spots, and whether they yep. ride the three goaltenders or not, somebody's somebody's going to be going down regardless. All right, anything else on that? No, no. All right, perfect. Let's uh, get some uh, topic suggestions from listeners and supporters. Uh, Zach Taranko at Zach underscore Taranko is a really good follow and a passionate Bruins fan, and he says thoughts on the next five to ten years for the Boston Bruins organization. Will a long rebuild be required or multiple retools happen to stay competitive? That's a daunting question. I know. Um, I'll start with five years. There's going to be a retool. Jeremy Jacobs already came out and said, you know, the Boston fan base is not going to have the patience to withstand an actual rebuild. And I agree. I mean, look at them now. We had 107 points last season, and they're freaking out. Could you imagine them finishing with 70-something points? What the freak out would be then? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it would be – I wouldn't even be able to go on Twitter anymore. So uh, the way I look at it, they'll retool. They'll figure out what they're going to do as far as their uh, – because when you look at it, the, the depth at center is where they are lacking moving forward. You lose Bergeron, you lose Krejci, what do you have? They need to bring in some quality top six viable options. Whether that is starts, whether that's one of these young kids step up, uh, whether that be uh, Matthew Poitra, what that they just got in the second round, or uh, a guy like Georgie Merkulov. I, I tried yeah. it for Dom. It wasn't as good. I'm I thought sorry. it was pretty good. It's I, I tried. Georgie Merkulov. There we go. Thank you, Dom. So whether it's him or a guy like, um, you know, Jack Stanika or, you know, Beecher or McLaughlin, whoever, whoever it may be, 
Um, if they can get someone like that to step in and at least be in a second line role, then you're really just looking for a first line center. And um, I, I, whether they draft somebody in 2023 or they go out in free agency and get a top tier center, they'll retool, they'll figure it out. You know what I mean? It's just what's going to happen. Um, but 10 years down the road, if that's done, I don't think you're going to need to retool again for a while. Um, you know, you're looking at that 10 year span. I mean, you do that one retool, I think you're probably going to be okay because you have a lot of youth on your, on, in your defense. You have some other youth sprinkled throughout your lineup. Um, so yeah, that's just where I'm at on that. Tom, what are your thoughts, bud? Yeah, I think it's retool. And like Kevin said, the next retool will be, be years away. Um, you know, um, you have Fabian Lysel that's going to slot in behind David Pasternak at some point. Yes, David Pasternak is going to re-sign in Boston. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a McLaughlin who can play down the middle or the right wing there. Um, you know, the left side's a little bit iffy at this point. But like Kevin said, the defense is young. There are others coming behind them. Um, I can't wait to see uh, a top four of uh, uh, Lindholm, McAvoy, uh, Lorai, and Carlo. Uh, blue line for, for the next 10 years. Uh, Jeremy Swayman looks to be like a true bona fide number one NHL goaltender. Uh, it's getting that guy behind him. This is a retool, folks. I, I think people misuse the word rebuild. Thank you. Uh, a rebuild is what the Chicago Blackhawks do. Selling Alex to it, uh, which means in Boston, selling a David Pasternak, selling a Charlie Mack. It's blowing it up and starting it over. You trade everybody that has any value and you gain draft capital with with them. That is what the definition of a rebuild is. This is a retool. I think they'll find a way to get it done. Um, It may take a year, uh, but I don't know that the Boston fan base has the patience to wait. Thank you, Dom. I tried explaining this in a tweet, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where I pretty much put out that exact statement about, and and we left out Zaka, Pavel Zaka. I mean, he has a chance at maybe being able to blossom into the top six forward that, um, you know, New Jersey wanted. It's a different situation, different system. And if you have him playing like with guys like David Pasenak, Brad Martian, Taylor Hall uh, of those likes, I mean, you may be able to see a top six center there. Um, you know, so there is guys like that, but I tried explaining this on Twitter and of course, you know, doom and gloom is galore throwing comment after comment, like, you know, oh, you know, no, it's a rebuild. You're rebuilding around blah, 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 blah. No, no. In the hockey world, a rebuild is, like you said, what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing. You literally tear everything down and you start from scratch. Why would you start from scratch when you have a future elite goaltender, an already young elite defenseman, an already young elite goal scorer, and you have other good pieces to build around and young guys we haven't even seen yet, like Lee Sell and Lorai. It just doesn't make sense. And, and, and just to top it off, 
for this organization to be able to do this while staying competitive and going to three Stanley Cup finals in the past, what, 12 years and winning one of those cups is absolutely tremendous. And I'm sick and tired of the crap narratives I see about how this team doesn't want to win. This team sucks. This team is that. Cut the crap, please. I'm done with it. All right, the next one on the uh, agenda for the listener, supporters, suggestions. This is, and how fitting, how fitting is a Bruins fan named Trigger. <laughs> but at, at, at Trigger, 36047580, says, what changes to the defensive style can we expect with new coaching hires of Jim Montgomery and assistant coach John Gruden? Interesting question. I think the biggest difference we're going to see is in transition. Uh, and more involvement from the defense. And I know Bruce Cassidy talked about uh, about it, uh, you know, getting the D more active. And for some reason, it just didn't work, you know, especially when trying to get pucks through to the net. I mean, they were just terrible at it. But listening to Gruden talk and, and seeing the way that he's coached before, just the little things like, in the player skating, opening up, uh, moving their hips, enabling them to walk the line, put themselves in better position. You know, all sounds great to me. Like, I, I mean, Gruden won an OHL championship with virtually no superstars on that team in Hamilton. So imagine what he can do with a superstar like Charlie McAvoy, or stars like uh, Hampus Lindholm. But what I found funny in Gruden's um, availability to the media <coughs> was when he said that him and Montgomery have real, not really discussed um, system. And I found that uh, a little bit odd. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. But I think we'll see subtle changes. I think we'll see changes in the defensive zone. I think we'll see more man-to-man -man coverage than zone coverage. <clears throat> and listen, uh, if that's the case, that could bode well for, for Mike Riley. It's probably better because of his skating in man-to-man -man and tracking his man than he is in staying in his area and taking care of his zone. Yeah. yeah. And I think on the offensive side of things, I think we're going to see the puck being fired more. I think it's going to be less of the cute passing and more of the trying to get the puck to the net, to the dirty areas where these goals can happen. Almost like playing a playoff style of hockey all regular season long, trying to get those dirty goals, trying to get the puck on net. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Accountability is going to be the biggest thing for me on the, on the back end. We, we, I, I believe that the defense is good enough. I mean, if you look at the underlying numbers from last year, they, the Bruins' defense wasn't that bad. Um, but it's it, it's that ongoing transition game. We, we, we tend to make too many mistakes when we um, play with the puck too long in our own defensive zone. That's why we get uh, accommodating players that are younger, uh, smaller size, more offensive capable to get those pucks out as soon as possible and then uh, get into the neutral zone and feed it up to your forwards that are, are trying to create some offensive capabilities. So, uh, yeah, the transition game is probably going to be a lot better than last year and less mistakes. Let's hope so, because uh, I can't I can't 
see any more turnovers on this lineup anymore. If I do, I'm going to start getting in the pounds from every one that they do. So, um, yeah, I, I think that Gruden and, and Montgomery are going to address stuff like that. And I think that the communication is going to be there that is just going to really intensify what these guys need to do. And I like the idea, Dom, that you mentioned that it's not going to be so zone and more man-to-man, um, which brings back to my point about accountability for each and every one of them. It's not just a system anymore. Now it's going to be on the individual players. I think it's uh, going to be extremely important for, um, you know, the start of the season for players like Zaboral, Lindholm, and Ashan, if he's getting time, it's going to be very important for them to be able to carry that transition play. Um, and I think they'll be able to do it well under a new system like that or, you know, a new style of playing like this. Uh, the next one is from Daryl Ingram, and you can follow him at Ingram Daryl 31 Thinking long term, he says, do you guys believe any of our centers in the pipeline have the potential to climb to a top six role? Yeah, I got- definitely. I think uh, Matthew uh, Patra has top six capabilities. I think uh, Brett Harrison has top six capabilities. And, you know, I think this guy behind me still has top six capabilities in him. Um and I don't want to rehash everything that I said earlier. You rewind it and listen to it. Um, and um, Kevin's going to like this. So does Georgi Merkula. <laughs> um, so you've got four centers there with top six um, capability. The thing is, you only have to hit on one of them. I think Merkuloff may have top line capabilities. Like it's top six. Yeah, but like straight up like bona fide number one. Yeah. Well, that's to be seen. If you can work on the defensive side of things, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. But we'll see. Absolutely. He does have a great set of attributes. But there's he's also another work in progress. He's gotta he's gotta learn how to uh the the game away from the puck. When he has the puck, he's got the speed in the hands to really be a creative asset, but away from the puck, younger players like him uh, continually need to learn how to play that two-way style. Now, and uh, that's, quickly before – oh, sorry, go uh, ahead. That's what the American Hockey League is for. Exactly. I, you know, I made it very clear in a previous podcast, like I don't want Merkulov being handed top-line uh, spot in Providence. I want that to go to John Beecher. Let's see – if we can develop some offense out of Beecher. We know Merkulov has it. We don't know if Beecher has it. And now's the time to find out and get it out of him uh, if it's there. And uh, you're not going to get it if he's not given all the prime offensive opportunities first. That's right. If we could combine both Beecher and Merkulov into one player, I think you would have the sickest freaking center to play in the NHL. (laughs) That you would be you'd have you'd have a Barkov. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Great comparison. Yeah, yep. you'd have a Barkov. Jeez. Yep. 
So if both of them can figure it the hell out, you could have another crazy one-two punch. I mean, yeah. <laughs> who oh, knows? Yeah. But uh, before we move on from that, I did want to point out, we do have the 2023 draft coming up, and I fully expect Don Sweeney to hang on to that number one pick. I fully expect it because it's paramount. And I do believe he will be going after a center, and this is going to be a center-heavy draft. So there's some good hope there. So, you know, this is the year. <laughs> If, you, if you're not into following prospects and keeping up on that stuff, this is the year to do it and to follow these centers, you know, kind of figure out where do you think the Boston Bruins will kind of lay, um, you know, in the first round and kind of keep an eye on some of those guys, you know, get yourself kind of ready to see what can happen because I almost guarantee you he's going to pick a center in the in the first round this at this uh, upcoming draft, when it, you know, wherever they may be. So yep. there's another one to add. All right, and the last one from the uh, the listener suggestions, uh, Maria from Watertown, good friend of mine. Uh, she says, curious to hear thoughts about Pasta's extension. Why isn't that a priority for Sweeney? Oh, it's a priority. It's Hi, definitely Maria. A priority. Hello, Maria. Can I start with this one? Absolutely. You are more than welcome, my friend. It all relates to the cap and the collective bargaining agreement. First of all, um, the, the idea would be to get Zaka, Bergeron, and or Krejci done first. And the reason behind it is something called tagging space. In other words, un unless you know what Bergeron, Krejci, and Zaka come in for, you sign uh, Pasternak first, you may not have the tagging space next year to uh, put in deals for those three uh, because of bonus over carryovers. So you need to get them done first, know what your cap situation is, and then you'll know how much money you have to, to spend with Pasternak next season. It's something called tagging space. It's a long, complicated thing in the collective bargaining agreement. But if you Google it, uh, there's some great articles out there that explain it to you. I just don't want to spend the next hour on a podcast doing it. Right. Yeah. And when you look at, uh, let's use Charlie McAvoy's extension for a um, example. That extension didn't get done on the day of, you know, free agency opening. That took some time. I believe it was late September maybe early October. I forget the, the exact day. It was a day before training camp along with Pasternak. Yeah. So that's, that's where um, you saw that type of extension happen. So there's still plenty of time between now and the start of the season to get that done. And if it doesn't get done, don't freak out. That doesn't mean that you trade David Pasternak or that he's not going to get signed. It just means that they're working things out still, but I, from my understanding, and I believe everyone else is here on this podcast, is that David Pasternak is committed to wanting to be a Boston Bruin for now and uh, the foreseeable future. He just wants to, I think he just wants to see exactly what is being put ahead of him for the duration of his contract. Who am I going to be playing with? Is this team going to be competitive? And I think those answers are going to be, you know, given to him in very short order. So, yeah. And also, it's also important to, to know that when we're talking about Boston Bruins contracts and so on, David Pasternak does have a full year under his current deal. 
So anything that's negotiated from now until whenever will follow the next year. I think that the, that confuses a lot of people when they're talking about contracts. They, they think that they need to be signed as soon as possible. So there's a little bit of leeway for comfort levels as, as for Bruins management and us Bruins fans and, and media members and so on. Of course, we would love to have anything done prior, uh, you know, because sometimes players don't want to talk midseason. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I, I would say that if a deal doesn't get done or if it's if it's um, if it continues to kick the can down the road in December, I would be a little more concerned then than I would be right now. The you, know, only, look at the, you know what's going to worry me is if David Krejci doesn't post a, a video on Instagram with David Pasternak and says, hey, David, are you coming back to Boston? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's a good point, um, actually. Yeah, but if you look at if you look at even the Forsberg uh, situation that was going on earlier uh, in the off season here, um, uh, the GM for the Nashville Predators was getting a lot of flack for not trading a guy like you know Forsberg. But we don't know everything that's going on behind closed doors, and there's obviously there was conversations there which led him to believe this player is attainable. We can get him, even though we are in the you know the last hour. We can still get this guy. We just have to meet on money, and I don't think it comes down to that with David Pasternak. I mean, we've already seen that from his first contract extension um, after his ELC that he is not a t- the type of player who is out here chasing the most amount of money that he can get. For him, it's all about the fit for him, how the team's going to be, and I think those those answers like i said will be answered and he will feel very comfortable signing um not like a completely team friendly contract but one that's he's not going to take his value i can tell you that so what's your number my number is between is between 8.8 and like 9.5 somewhere in that area i think that's you're such an nhl thinker you're putting your number the back of the number into your contract, it just so happens that it works in this case, though. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I tweeted mine out yesterday. I'd put it up on the screen, but I don't know how. Yeah, I think he, by the way, I think he's worth 11 million dollars. So, right, I'll just put that there. But in the what, cap world, you got to work me, together. I don't know. You tell you tell me honestly, honestly, let's take the black and gold colored glasses off. If Austin Matthews is earning 11.5 or whatever it is, you're telling me David Pasternak is worth 11? I like, I, I mean, not, I'm not taking anything away from David Pasternak. I think if, Austin Matthews is worth more than what he's making. So, right. But that's my the deal. Post. That's the deal he's on right now. Okay. So, if we're going by deals and where the market's set, I'm just going off of what I think the players are worth in my own opinion. Okay. Like I think Austin let's, Matthews is worth more than what he's making right now. Let's let's do percentage of cap. Right. You, you got you know, we're not going to see more deals like that going up and up and up until we see the cap go up up up, right. up and up. I get that part of it. So if we had to go off of a player comparable right now, I don't know if I have one for Pasternak. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, Kachuk. I, I think that Pasternak has done more at least in the goal scoring categories than a guy like Kachuk. I don't see them as similar players. So I don't know if I can use that as a comparable. 
No, they're different I, I players. Can't, I can't I, use Forsberg as a comparable. Pasternak brings things Kachuk does, but Kachuk brings a, a lot, just as many things to the game that Pasternak doesn't. I think they're two different players, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're two different style of players, so I can't really use that as, as a comparable. <laughs> I, I I don't know if there is one out there right now for David Pasternak, a, a good comparable. I'm not sure. If you can think of one, please tell me. Uh, yeah, I'm going to think of one. Uh, and they're two different players. Is Charlie McAvoy. Okay. Okay. Who's more important to the team, David Pasternak or Charlie McAvoy? Mm. I'm ah, that's tough. That really is tough. No, it's McAvoy. If if you're doubting that, then I don't know what to say to you. It's tough for it's tough for me because it's two because it's two ends of the spectrum. (laughs) It's like you have the guy who's going to get you all your goals, and you have the guy who's going to stop a majority of the goals from happening. It's like two different ends of the spectrum. So it, it depends on what you value more. In my opinion, I value what McAvoy can give you more, so I guess I would lean towards McAvoy in that and situation, I, but there might be others who lean the other way towards the offensive side of things. I, no, I think if you ask 32 GMs around the NHL, they will tell you uh, Charlie McAvoy 32 times. And I'd agree with them because I lean okay. towards McAvoy. So so now, as, as, um, as David Pasternak's agent, explain to me why you're worth more to the Boston Bruins than Dave, than Charlie McAvoy. That's the selling point. Yeah, that that's, that's what not his agent, happen. That's what his agent needs to sell to the Boston Bruins. The Boston right. Bruins have a number, and it's Charlie McAvoy's number. Now yeah. it's up to the agent to say to Don Sweetie, "This is why he's worth more to you than Charlie McAvoy." and He's not going to have an answer for it. No. I would be no. totally, totally shocked and surprised if David passed and pissed off if David Pasternak got more than Charlie McAvoy. I agree. And that's the same situation with the Forestburg <coughs> contract. They were like, we are not paying you more than Roman Yossi. Right. We're not doing it. And they didn't. And I think I think you'll see the same thing with Pasternak. Absolutely. Yep. I think he'll make less. Um, or, I mean, you have them making the same amount, correct? Exactly the same amount. Exactly the same amount. So it's I mean, funny does that, because as I, but as does I that mean it, that you have them both equally as important? No, no, okay. but that's reflected in how the bonuses are paid out. Okay. If you compare the bonuses between the two, the two players, right? Uh, I mean, that's a major reflection. If like I tweeted out yesterday when I tweeted that out. In two, 2017, everybody was talking about uh, Pasternak getting dry sidle money, maybe even more. And I said, no, no, no. And I broke down to the contract. And I think I was within $10 <laughs> how the contract. Literally, it was pennies when you're talking millions of dollars. And that's how I feel this contract is going to break down. <laughs> if, he, I, if, he is the, if he is still the same player that he was not skills wise. I'm talking about mentally, his mentality Um, back when he signed his first contract for the six point, whatever he's making now, if he still has that mentality, I see him going for something in the eights. If he doesn't, I definitely agree. And think he's going to be somewhere in that 9.5 range. Look, he's going to look at, here's the other thing that people don't talk about. He's going to look at the contracts, Patrice Bergeron signs. 
and he's going to look at the contract that potentially David Krejci is going to sign. And he's going to look at the contract that Charlie McAvoy has. And he's going to say, because McAvoy left money on the table. People may not believe this, but McAvoy left money on the table. Absolutely. He's going to look at, at Patrice Bergeron leaving a couple of million dollars on the table. The same with Krejci. He's not going to go in and demand more than, than Charlie McAvoy. If he does, then good riddance to him. Trade him. That's my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree with that because you don't want to cap strap your team. And, and I see Pasenak is the type of player who wants to win and he wants to be a team first type of guy. Yeah. So I, so well, I'm going to stick to what I've always stuck to and that he's going to take something in the eights. So we'll see. All right. Um, I think this will be a great opportunity to end the program. This has been a great discussion. We, we're approaching two hours uh, not many shows are doing that. A lot of a lot of Bruins uh, and podcasts this off season are only recording about fifteen twenty minutes, but we bring you a full full show. But before we do that, we do want to say a very happy birthday to our our leader and our God and and still our captain Patrice Bergeron. Hopefully he comes back. But to you, sir, happy birthday! It's uh, thirty seven four thirty seven. So. Um, Happy birthday, are we, Patrice. Are, are we going to sing a little birthday song? Birthday to you. To you, you. Happy, happy birthday to Patrice. Happy birthday, dear Patrice Bergeron. Happy birthday to you. I apologize, folks. That was terrible. <laughs> We sound like three drunken sailors on a freaking on a on a on a just. Like. It's, it's more like the 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 skipper Gilligan and the professor on Gilligan's Island. Yeah, no shit. I don't know. We could start a boy band. I don't know about you. Oh two. god. I'll be the drummer. I'll be behind everything. But hey, listen. Dom, Dom's that. got a mean faux hawk for it, so yeah. he's, he does. He's not rocking it right now, but he can really get that thing going. Listen, the faux hawk didn't work when you're driving a hundred kilometers home from the Maritimes. <laughs> you right. gotta have That's time right. to bring it back with, with the sunroof open. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, and 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 obviously the great uh, uh, people like Dom and Kevin <laughs> on this panel. We do have to end the program right here. This is episode two eighty eight. Want to say thank you for to everybody who's uh, who shared, interacted, retweeted everything that you guys do for us has been fantastic. We truly appreciate that. We got a lot of stuff coming up from the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company this off season uh, as we prepare for the 22-23 campaign. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks again for all the support and uh, and obviously these two beauties that join me almost every week uh, to talk Boston Bruins hockey. You guys are amazing and make it a lot of fun. And, uh, and, uh, and if I ever see fucking Kevin wearing a dress again, man, I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, oh my God. <laughs> I'll put it on your guys' Christmas cards. Uh, yeah. Thanks for let, you know, uh, helping us get that image out of our head. <laughs> but wow. anyway, anyway, thanks again, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. We'll try to bring as much uh, news as possible. Hopefully we, we have some signings to talk about. Um, you know, it was a jam packed week last week, but hopefully we can do bring the same, uh, this coming week. So, 
Uh, please be safe. Um, stay cool in these hot temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Look out for one each other. If you have an old person that lives next to you, please uh, go and knock on their door and make sure that they're okay. And uh, if they need anything, please help out. Um, and obviously stay hydrated out there, um, you know, if you're doing any outdoor activities. So, yes, yes, yes. And I need to go buy some new curtains because just for, just I think uh, I, I think Mark can look through these ones. So <laughs> go out and buy your curtains. Your fan case mine. Just to remind your folks, I'm 61 years old, so I should be one of those people that you come knock on the door to make sure I'm okay that Mark's talking about. And Mark, you should remind people that we plan to bring in some special guests over the next few weeks. Yeah, get a life alert, Dom. (laughs) What's that? I just just want to start by, if I was closer to Ontario, I would be that guy to go over and check on you. But yes. I do want to mention, we're not going to mention any names right now because we're still in the, the talks of um, of uh, lining some players up, but we do have a pretty extensive list of Boston Bruins prospects that we're going to be, uh, in, uh, we're trying to interview. Uh, and, and most of them are coming from the 22 uh, NHL draft. So um, uh, stay tuned for all that, folks. I, I, I don't want to, you know, hype anything up if it, if it doesn't work, but we do have some pretty big uh, guests coming up in the near future to uh, keep that content train going. So uh, thank you for reminding me of that, Dom. And hopefully, hopefully uh, next, next week we will actually have at least one of those players. So, all right, that's it folks. Uh, That's episode 288. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in, resharing and downloads, whatever you guys are amazing. We'll talk to you next week. Charge your life alert, Dom. Ciao, people. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.